Welcome to Demand Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demond, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demondcast. Here's a little tidbit you may not know about me. I really like role-playing games. The games uh, that are like D&D, except I don't really like D&D that much, so that makes it kind of odd. I've bought more books <laughs> than I will ever play. And my guest has made some of my favorites, such as Part-Time Gods, The Supers Game, Amp, Ninja Crusade, and something I'm hoping to play with the kids soon, The Pip System. Not only has he won in any, which are the Oscars for nerds, since this taping, he received the Diana Jones Award, which is given for excellence in gaming. Yep, he's awesome. He's also the founder of Third Eye Games. He is Aloy LaSanta. Did I say your name right? And the crowd went wild. Aloy is a game designer. I've been a fan of his work for years. Completely forgot to mention Apocalypse Prevention, Inc., which is when I knew that this was the dude because I read it. I'm like, this is a game I would have designed. Now I don't have to. <laughs> Genius that's, stuff. And that, that's actually core to my game design philosophy is anytime I have an idea for a game, I always go out and make sure that it, that it doesn't already exist. Like, it's a thing I do. So that's a good way to do it. Like, hey, this game exists now. I don't have to design it. That's, I do that all the time. All right. Here comes the six questions. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to be a game designer? That is a hard question. When did I know that I wanted to design games professionally? That's maybe a different question than that I wanted to design games at all. I had the opportunity to come up in a kind of environment that forced me to become a game designer. What I did is when I first started gaming, I played with a group that was kind of round robin because nobody wanted to get stuck being just the GM. Everybody wanted to GM. Everybody wanted to play, which meant everybody had to learn how to GM a game. This was a group that they would always go beyond the book. So there would always be things that were created. Even in just like my very first or second, you know, game campaign that I would be creating, I was already creating new magic weapons, top the last one or new monsters. And I was, there was already that element almost from the very beginning of my entire gaming career. Doing it professionally, I learned how to publish a game by doing some freelancing, but I learned how to freelance by essentially doing it for free for a very long time. I did it just as a fan and I would just post things online. I would get lots of great, you know, traction and response to those things that I would put up online for free. And then I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe if people like what I write, maybe somebody will pay me to write it. <laughs> when I got to that point where I had like, I had like two, two jobs under my belt, I was like, okay, so if I'm gathering it all up, these are the steps to making a game and publishing it. I mean, but I could do that. Let me do that. I'll just start making my own games and publishing them because I realized that, you know, publishing is where the still small amount of money in <laughs> tabletop RPGs, but that's where the actual money is, is in the publishing and not necessarily the writing itself. Question number two. What do you wish you had known when you had started out? 
what I would have told myself in the beginning is streamline a bit so that my community could be a little bit more cohesive. Because what ends up happening with me, this is a product of me kind of modeling my life after Prince. Prince was very well known for putting out lots of material and all of it was very different from, you know, one album was very different from the last. And I modeled myself a lot after that. None of my games are really like each other. And uh, (laughs) so what I end up having is several small communities, each one attached to each of my projects. So an AMP fan is not necessarily an API fan who is also not necessarily a fan of my tip system stuff, which is also not necessarily a fan of the Sins of the Father game line that I have out. So I have a bunch of these kind of disparate communities kind of in that Venn diagram. There are that very, very small section that just kind of like anything that I put out at this point. That only came kind of harping back to what I was saying before, that kind of only came because I have actually built several small communities kind of around each of my different games and, you know, each one is loved for a different reason that has allowed me to kind of grow and become actually somebody in the industry, like a known entity. It's terrible for marketing. It's partially about creative freedom, but it's also, I'm very much into challenging myself. Each of my games build upon each other. Whenever I get the comment of, man, your last game was probably your best ever. I'm really hoping that it is. Every game that I design, I'm taking the lessons from the ones before it. And that's not even saying directly there are, you know, there are games where the system within it has evolved, like from the DGS to the DGS Lite to the DGS Combo, and then eventually the DGS 2.0. You know, Chalker system is, is evolving. The PIP system evolved from a very simplistic to a little bit more complex. So not even speaking within those, but each of those was a challenge into itself. There are some people who are like, I need a horror writer. Call that guy. Call this woman. She does this. He does that. What I've been lucky to do with my reputation, my career, is that I am kind of that guy who can do anything. I've written comedy. I've written horror. I've written suspense. I've written adventure, you know, and I can kind of hit any tone And that's why I've been successful in what I've been doing, not only with just my own company, I've been able to jump in on some freelance stuff here and there, worked on Firefly RPG, I've done some World of Darkness stuff for them, for, you know, for Onyx Path, and, you know, I've I've been lucky enough to be able to do a lot of different things. I've structured myself that way. When I first started, I was very much a one-man army, I had to teach myself how to do layout. I had to teach myself how to, you know, write better, how to do art commissions, how to do publishing, all of that stuff. And it's nice nowadays that, again, like I have people that I can hand that stuff off to now. <laughs> but at the same time, it's really awesome that I have that foundational knowledge that I can look at what my layout person is doing or what this writer's doing or what this line developer's doing and I can see whether they're doing it in the way that I want them to do or not. So I, like, I always encourage people, like, learn as much as you can about whatever it is that you're doing. You just kind of want to delve in and just learn everything you can about whatever it is that you're passionate about. Because I've seen so many people just, they're very passionate about it, but they're very passionate about it in a bubble. They're like, I love writing. What about the editing process? I mean, but I, I'm a writer. I'm not an editor. 
what about the layout process? Uh, you know, I give my words. I'm a writer. I give it to the layout artist. I need to be able to be like, if everyone in Third Eye Games was just like, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm quitting. <laughs> I need to be able to be like, well, cool, I'll just do it without you. Right. And that's, you know, like, that's not even, it's not like in a conceited way, because I'm not the kind of person who can't depend on others. As a matter of fact, I'm woefully dependent upon a lot of my people. But if they weren't there, I could still manage, essentially. And with that, I will stop answering that question. I think I've answered it in like three different ways now. And they were all great. New Agenda Publishing. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. New Agenda Publishing was the secondary company that I have that I co-own with Jerry Grayson and Misha Bischager. We essentially created it because when I won my Innie in 2017, that's where I learned that I was actually the first black man to get up on stage and accept an award at the Innies. And I was like, what? <laughs> so what I found is that after that, I was very much engaged with really wanting to see, you know, more people of color in the industry. So I got together with some other designers. And at the time, we are talking, you know, 2017, 2017, 2018, there really was maybe a handful, I would say six, seven, eight, possibly, that I was able to get a hold of at least. I mean, there's always more than what, what have a name, but again, the industry rewards longevity. What we had decided was that we were going to start our own company. Like a lot of the different industries, you know, in America, what ends up happening is that a lot of the larger institutions are all owned by a lot of the same types of people. We kind of wanted to start a company that was owned by three black people. And it's like the first one of its kind. And the entire idea is that we're publishing our own game. We hired a fully diverse design team for our first game, which is O-Run, which should be out soon. And we are putting out something that is very, very different than what anybody has seen before. And that's the goal. And we kind of want to become an umbrella where we're going to be able to give voice to those designers who deserve that shot. I will say that the next year, 2018, I got a second award, but also Chris Spivey got up on stage and accepted an award as well. So it was, you know, 2017, it was me. 2018, it was me and Chris, which was really cool. We've already been talking with other designers about, you know, kind of bringing them in and helping them make their vision a thing and actually helping them publish it and get it out in front of people, which is something that is hard for those more marginalized uh, communities. Uh, there's a lot of barriers, honestly. Me, I never even realized that these barriers existed because I was keeping my head down. I'm the beneficiary of some colorism. I am a lighter-skinned black person, so I don't get a lot of the stigma that some of the darker-skinned black people get. And it's just, you know, that's just reality how it is. What the entire idea of New Agenda is hopefully being able to remove some of those barriers to entry and really getting some new voices in shake up everything. Yes, that sounds fantastic, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Question number three. What's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Uh, my go-to order at my favorite hometown restaurant. My go-to order at Station House Barbecue is actually their Cuban sandwich. 
because first off, I mean, there's lots of, I live in Tampa, so there's lots of Cuban food to have around here. Sure. Uh, and everybody claims to have the best Cuban sandwich, but this place actually does. There's like a Cuban sandwich festi- festival every year They and they compete every year. And I think they've won it like the last four or five years. And like their Cuban is really, really good. My go-to order is the Cuban sandwich. It's eight bucks. It's huge. One of the special things that they add to it is they have a guava barbecue sauce that they add to it. So it's all the normal staples of the, the Cuban sandwich, but with a hint of sweetness and tanginess from the barbecue sauce that they add on to it, and it's so, so good. I eat one probably every week. Sometimes I skip a week here and there, but I, I usually go and get one about every week. And the Like, way- I'm a known entity there. I just call them up and I go, hey, it's Aloy, I'm coming to pick up a sandwich. And they're like, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like uh, Norm from Cheers. I'm a norm from Cheers, definitely. Question number four. What are you curious about? The world? <laughs> it's, it's so hard to, like, to narrow that question down, I think. I am not the type of person who limits myself. Anything that comes into my kind of periphery, I want to experiment. I want to try it. That's why I started a band recently. I'm making music now. That's why I do script writing on the side. That's why, you know, I started doing YouTube stuff. I write reviews. Everything that you can learn makes you a better person is, is the way that I look at it. You know, I'm learning Chinese, but, you know, another thing. Anything that you can add to yourself, I feel, makes you a more whole you. I hope that I never get to a time in my life where I have discovered all of the things that I will ever discover. That's just not me. I need to be constantly trying new things and experimenting. And even if it was within my own tabletop stuff, every game that I design is me experimenting, trying something new. If I ever got to the point where I was like, cool, here is the fifth edition of the exact same thing and nothing has really changed. I'd be disappointed in myself because I am curious just about my own limitation. Because there are things that I try out and I'm like, got it. I am not good at that thing. Moving on to the next thing now. That's just what makes you a person, I think, is you have to be able to test yourself. I'm a homeowner, so I, I learned how to change out a light fixture. And I was like, cool, so does the same thing apply to fans? Yeah, it does. It's actually just a little bit different. Cool. What about doing some plumbing? I'm gonna, let, let's try and change out some, some plumbing things. All right, cool. Well, if that works, let's try laying down some, some flooring. <laughs> let's try doing a whole paint job. Let's install a new shower. That's how I am. I don't like to limit myself. My wife likes to limit me. She's like, don't, no, we'll, we'll hire somebody to come and do that. But I'm like, but no, I bet I could do it though. Again, I think that that's kind of how you need to be as just a person. I think that that makes you a wholer person. How do you decide when you're good at something or not? There's two reasons why if I start something, I might stop it. One is if the outcome is just bad. There, there are things that I'm like, ooh, okay, cool. So I tried this, and it wasn't great, so I'm not going to do that thing anymore. I'll hire somebody to do it. What's, what's an example of that? Fixing up cars. Cars are not my thing. And I've tried doing, like, even just a simple oil change. Cars elude me. 
people, I, I've had people be like, oh, well, all you need to do is just, and I'm like, nope, I'm going to bring it to the garage. And yes, they're going to overcharge me, but that's just, I know that if I try to do it, I'm going to mess it up. There's that aspect of it, right? Where I try it and I'm not good at it. There's the other part of it is that even if I'm good at it, is the outcome what I'm expecting? For instance, I did a podcast for a year. It was a little known podcast called Rolling 20s. And I did it. It was all about, you know, tabletop RPGs and just me talking about being in the industry and everything. I recently found my archived episodes. I'm going to be uploading those to my YouTube channel. I did that for like a year and I really enjoyed myself and it seemed like people liked it. I went to Dragon Con while I was doing my podcast. I went over to the um, Margaret White booth to say hi to Cam Banks because I wanted to meet him and say hello and say like, hey, I really like your stuff. While I was there talking to Cam Banks, this guy came over and said, wait a minute, I know that voice. Are you a loyalist Sansa? And I'm like, yeah, I am actually. <laughs> I had never been identified by my voice before. So that was, that was, that was bonkers. Like I didn't know that a podcast could do that. But what I found is that podcasts were tons of work. So I like, I applaud anybody who does a podcast. So, but I'm like, I honestly, I have so many things that I want to do that even though this thing is fun and, you know, I like the outcome, I guess, but it wasn't something that I was willing to devote as much time as is necessary to do a quality podcast to it. I have more things I want to do with that now. I devote a lot of my time to writing and I devote a lot to YouTube. I devote a lot to my music. Those are my things because I also need to balance that with family. It's good having a full life. I just find the things that I'm interested in doing and I just, I just do them. If I find that I have a natural talent for it, then I continue doing it. At this stage in my career, if you give me a topic, I could design a game around it. And that's not me trying to talk big or trying to make myself seem awesome, but I think I've just been doing it for so long that I'm just really good at it. So I actually look out for those opportunities to challenge myself and to challenge that statement that I can design anything. And then I go, well, what about this? And I go, well, maybe I can, maybe I can't. Let's try it. You know, so like right now, a game that I've been struggling with for years is I'm trying to create an RPG that is essentially kind of a Pokemon RPG, but it needs to have story elements, but also the collection elements, and it has to balance these things in sort of a way that would then also then make the battles interesting, but also make it not just battles. There also needs to be more to it than battles. So like, there's a whole lot going on in this game, and uh, finding that good balance is my challenge. Eventually, I'll get there. I've been working on it for, I don't know, three maybe four years wow. at this point. I've been releasing other games in the meantime because what ends up happening is when I go down one road, I'm like, well, maybe this will work for the game. And it doesn't work for that game, but I can be like, but that's a pretty cool mechanic that I just created. So let's create a new game off of this thing that I just created. But So I can't use this little thing that I just made up for Sinister Beast because it doesn't really fit, but I could make it fit into something else. I could create a whole thing around it. That's a lot of the stuff that I do is I'm always looking for like new mechanics, new ways to display old ideas or even new ideas. You know, eventually that game will, will come out <laughs> in whatever form. It's, I would say it's probably about 50% done at this point. 
and it's just a matter of me still trying to make it feel right. Because I do a lot of my design by feel. I feel like if you're sitting at the table and you're playing this game, it needs to give you a certain experience. Until it gives you that experience, it's not done. Question number five. Is there anything I should have asked but didn't? That's a good question. And it's a considerate question. But what I'm going to say is, no, not really. Does your wife play with you now? Like, does your wife, let me, let me rephrase that. That's t- awful. Does your wife <laughs> game with you now? No, not really. It's never really been her thing. If she accompanies me to a convention and I sit down to play a game, if it's something that is an interesting concept that she might want to try, there occasionally I can get her to jump in. Other times she'll be like, I will go and make a food run. So <laughs> she plays board games, though. She will play some board games and card games, and she loves it when we pull out Battlestar because it's all, you know, that's like a social manipulation and, you know, reading people game, and that's, that is what she does. Gotcha. Uh, that's her job. Amp Year 1 was 2015, so Amp mm-hmm. Year 5. The, the Kickstarter for that was supposed to be earlier this year. Just because of everything happening, I was like, let's just not. I'm, we're ready to actually go ahead and get started writing and developing that game, that last book, mm-hmm. but it's just so many people are just not in a writing and creative area in their brain right now, me included, Absolutely. Uh, a lot of the time. I'm sorry, go on with your question. I interrupted your question to answer a question you probably were going to ask later. So. <laughs> <laughs> it had to do with the game world, the 2020 in the game world. I was just wondering what you thought or did you appreciate the uh, how things ended up lining up like 2020 is the big climactic battle in the AMP universe and then look what we got going on now. And yeah, it's- and it's kind, of, it's kind of crazy the way that that works out. You know, this is the kind of thing that probably would, de- would definitely happen in the AMP universe. One of my very favorite game powers that's in the game that I wrote up was called Blight, and it's all about, like, manipulating sickness and disease and stuff. Oh, my God. That, like, that power is so fun to play. It is really fun to write in that kind of world because the way that I had originally intended it, it was always just going to be, you know, it was going to be five major yearbooks because I had a five-year storyline in my head when I started it. What I found is that every year just, just like any good series, answers some questions and asks so many more. Year five actually is 2019, which is kind of interesting. The idea of that fifth year, it's been one of those really daunting tasks because it, since it is going to be the last you know, official book in the series, the challenge of really like ending this, this massive story for so many characters the, the entirety of the storyline of AMP is it's a pendulum, so it starts off kind of a, you know happy-go-lucky, and it gets worse and then eventually swings back, back up to getting better. So year five is going to be kind of, it's going to tie up a lot of things, and I'm hoping it's going to be able to go out on, you know, a high note. Question number six. If you could create a new holiday... What would it commemorate? This is something, a lot of people know this about me, if you, if you know anything about me and my career and everything, and I mentioned it at the beginning of this interview, that I model a lot of my life after Prince. I've been listening to Prince since I was 11. There's so much to be learned from such an iconic, deep individual. 
plus he also brought in so much to what music is and what it can be. He's very much like a true artist. A lot of people say he's the modern day Mozart. Like I would, I would agree with that, except that I think he's Mozart and Bach and so many other things all wrapped in one. He was really very much like the full package of what it is to be music. Probably wouldn't put it on the day of his death and I wouldn't put it on his birthday. Have it be like national or worldwide even Prince Day listen to Prince, you would learn more about Prince and his philosophies. He himself was a little bit of an enigma. He would believe things and then change his mind. You know, he would say something and then do something the opposite, <laughs> which I think was also part of what kind of made him fascinating. But yeah, there's a lot to him. I just think that there should be just a day where everybody has to sit down and listen to Prince music. Do you have anything for my listeners? Where can they find you? How can they follow you? Third Eye Games on Twitter and Facebook and all the good stuff. ThirdEyeGames.net is our website. Definitely check out our games. We have a lot of different genres and settings and stuff even within the single system. And we're always putting out new stuff. You know, I can't wait to actually get back in full swing and actually really start developing and getting, you know, brand new games out to people because that is where my heart is ultimately. Thank you for your time. I know you're busy. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you so much. All right, you know what time it is. All together now, like, share, subscribe. Once again, like, share, subscribe. Once again, like, share, subscribe. Yeah, I messed it up. Come on, like, share, subscribe, and tell three friends. Like, share, subscribe, and tell three friends. And see you next week when I talk to pulp author Derek Ferguson, creator of one of my favorite characters of all time, Dylan. Until next time, see it, hear it, speak it.